here's this, can I have this Cypress Hill CD? And they're like, that'll be $25. And you're like, what? That's outside of the building. Yeah. Insane in the brain! Insane. That guy wasn't originally supposed to rap like that. You guys know that? You watch VH1 like I do? No, I don't watch it all He, uh, he wasn't, he rapped like that to make fun of somebody and like his manager and everyone who's important happened to be in the studio and they were like, wait, keep rapping like that. And he was like, you want me to keep on rapping like this? Okay. And then, and then they were like, bombs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take the limits and get me. Yeah. High as hell. Okay. Well, if we're done with our Cypress Hill impressions, uh, do you have to, we have topics to discuss? Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Everybody, welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number fifty-three. I am your first host, Marcello. What? what? So funny, right there. Couldn't make it through that, huh? Make it. I don't know. Hold on, let me see if I can match you. And now I'm host number two, D. Coming at you, host number three, Corey. Oh yeah, we're gonna be radio talk show personalities today. Crazy Reddit. Bitcoin Jock Rock. Bitcoin podcast. Cast, cast, cast. All right. So, anyways. Really good episode this week. But first, we're brought to you by EscrowMindBits.com, the really cool sponsor of ours for a long time. It only takes three steps. Let me tell you a little bit about them. You register and deposit your Bitcoin. The seller will then ship the item, and the buyer checks the goods. And then they release the funds. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. They currently offer Bitcoin escrow on a chain pegged to a fiat value using new bits, which means that there's no complex math at the point of sale. New bits is the world's first stable digital currency, and they charge a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all transactions. Escrow My Bits was created to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around. Their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. I think they've succeeded. And we want there to be no longer any excuses on why not to use escrow. So start the escrow process. Go to their website. Make sure you sign up for their newsletter. Stay up to date. That's escrowmybits.com. Uh, so a lot to talk about this week. Um, Did you memorize that? Or is that just, are you reading it? I'm just curious. Uh, I memorized it. I thought of a jingle. I completed it finally. You want to hear it goes? Yeah. You want to escrow some shit? Use escrow my bits and you won't throw a fit if you use escrow my bits dot com. It's not bad. It's, that's like, it's still Expedia with an extra verse in the middle. <laughs> and it works, didn't it? Didn't, don't you feel like you want to go there now? <laughs> I was just expecting something different. <laughs> Well, I wasn't going to throw the .com part on until the end, but it's like a website, so you have to say it nowadays. I'm going to ask. I have a buddy that's in music and does a lot of stuff like this. I'm going to ask him to do 
if he'll just hit me up with like a soundbite of what he comes up with for this, just to see if he'll do it. Right. Just to make it we'll see what happens. Oh, is your buddy yeah, named Kenny Golock? No, I don't know who that is. Kenny G. Oh. Wow, wow, wow. Hey, Corey, I got a question for you. So, sometimes you hear stories about people losing or destroying hard drives with Bitcoin on it. And I get that the money is lost forever, but what about the whole system? Is the, is the total amount of Bitcoin continuously decreasing? And if so, do we know how much is left? Like, so theory, theoretically, what happens if you put 21 million Bitcoin on a hard drive and destroy it? Then there's no more Bitcoin. Then there's no more Bitcoin. Yeah, so what that does, so all of the, 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 the early miners who ended up mining a ton of Bitcoin and then threw out their old laptop that did it, or, you know, it, it, they lost the hard drive, they lost the keys, lost the password, all that stuff. That, so you can just assume that it's no longer recoverable. The vast majority of people who did this, those Bitcoin are gone. They don't yep. exist anymore. They're, they're locked in these accounts that no one can get to. And the, and the keys, which aren't going to be recoverable because the hard drive's not there, mm-hmm. it will never be accessed again. So you can just assume that the total number of Bitcoins in circulation that will ever be in circulation is 21 million minus this number. So what that does is essentially makes the price of each Bitcoin more valuable because there's less in circulation. It's just more scarce. So it's like, for instance, if uh, we take gold, for example, because it's a scarce resource, we know that there's a limited amount on the earth that can ever be mined. If we were to just take a good portion of all that gold and jettison into the, 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 you know, into space, then the gold left on earth is what we have in circulation. And it makes it more precious because we have that much less. What do you think would happen if we dug into the mantle? What's in there? Lead. Just lead is in there. I feel like I should know that from like fifth grade science. There is, I think it's a, it's a mixture of, of metals i'm not sure which which ones they are it's all gooey isn't it but i think it's mostly lead it's I all liquidy well i was watching this doc i was watching this documentary called pacific rim and apparently oh, there's good. a place there's a hole that leads to the mantle uh where giant monsters come out that was a rift in the space-time continuum sir yeah and i think they've oh. been fighting these i think they called them um kaiju Eggers in, in, in Japan for a long time. Uh, oh no, it's a iron nickel alloy and some light elements, not lead. Huh. Oh, iron so, core. I'm dumb. That's I should have known that. So in paper money, they're just going to print more, and it devalues the rest. In Bitcoin, you take you take a cake, and instead of baking more cake, you split the one cake into more and more pieces. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what's nice about the almost you know incredible divisibility of Bitcoin is that it doesn't really matter um, how many in circulation in terms of what you can send from one person to another with, you know, with, with, with gold, you can only divide it into a finite, like a finite size until it becomes essentially un more, you can't divide it anymore and it becomes unusable based on, you know, physics, mm-hmm. but, and, and the relative size of our hands and how we deal with things on a daily basis. So, but with a digital currency like Bitcoin, you can divide it in a much, 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 much smaller or much, much larger amount. So you have, you can get smaller and smaller and smaller, almost I mean, to a point where your mind can't fathom how small it is and still trade that just as easy as you, if you were to trade multiple units of Bitcoin. 
So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how much one Bitcoin is worth. You'll always be able to send 25 cents. You know, I always see arguments on the internet like uh, somebody will say, oh, it's, uh, and it's people that like, uh, I guess it's called Keynesian economics. Uh, yeah. What we currently run on where governments are like, oh, let's just print off more money because that's what you do. And they say that Bitcoin can't work because it doesn't have that property to be infinitely multiplied into just so many units that essentially the unit is just worthless. But I always ask them, I say, okay, so it only has a 21 million Bitcoin cap, but you do realize that that's taken all the way out to the millionth decimal point, which means that that is, wouldn't that be essentially 21 billion? No, it's not. It's more than million. No, 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 no. Trillion? Ten to the nine. Ten to the nine. So that adds three zeros onto the six that are already there. So that's 12. Satoshi is 10 to the minus nine. So there's plenty of room for growth on econ like economic growth. That's why I don't understand why people make that argument. It's like, hey, yeah, there's only 21 million whole units, but multiply each one of those by a million. Yeah. No, a billion. By a billion. It's like having closer, a dollar. Closer, it's one less than a trillion almost, I think. That's what it, I have to look at the numbers again. But Yeah, we should know these exponents. It's, it's, more than, I mean, it's, it's more than what you need. That's all. I mean, that's essentially what you get down to it. Effectively, it's more than what you need to work on a global scale. Yeah. And, and still allow you to move trillions of dollars as well as 25 cents across the globe. Using nope. the same currency and everything else. And it, all, and it all really depends on the evaluation of a single Bitcoin. But mm -hmm. if one Bitcoin goes up to, you know, a thousand dollars, a couple thousand dollars, a million dollars, you can still move 25 cents. It doesn't matter because you can divide the but Bitcoin that, into a very, very small amount. It makes it very hard to like assess the adjusted value for like the lost coins, right? Because if it goes unreported, people may just assume someone's holding them. I think it's that true. somebody's going to scrub the blockchain and do a pretty thorough analysis and make a really good uh, proposed probability for the amount of coins lost. That's well, only a matter the, of time. I think how about a service? If, the, if, if after a certain amount of time, if those coins haven't moved from the original locations, you can assume that they're not going to move. Because they because hard drives deteriorate and fail after a certain amount of time. So say this goes on for a long time, and someone still thinks that there's somebody holding on to a key from one of the first miners who's just going to flood the system with thousands and thousands of Bitcoin. That's mm -hmm. not going to happen because it's more it's 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 more probable every day that no one's going to access those keys. Mm -hmm. Have you ever checked that hardware deteriorates? Have you guys ever poked around in blockchain.info's charts that they provide? No. Oh, man. Wow. Well, they provide a lot of data. Um, I think that's probably why they're leading in the biz. But one of the data points that they do provide is something called Bitcoin Days Destroyed. So, you, if you guys don't know means. what Bitcoin Days Destroyed means, it's like it basically... All the amount of days that have added up since you sent Bitcoin to a certain address, if you move the Bitcoin 
from that address, then it will register on blockchain.info's charts and it has blockchain Bitcoin days destroyed. So if you had Bitcoin that were like, I don't know, 700 days old, you hadn't moved them in a couple years or something. I guess that's a little over 700. But as soon as you did move them, then that would be 700 Bitcoin days destroyed and it would spike on the chart. So like if Satoshi were to move his coin tomorrow, that would be a shit ton of Bitcoin days destroyed. And people would see it. They'll be like, whoa, there's some old antique Bitcoiners moving their coins today because those are some mighty old coins. They've been sitting around for a while. I'm looking at this. Keep talking. So basically, Joe, to answer your question is that I'm pretty sure we could use that metric, Bitcoin days destroyed, and come up with some sort of probability as to the likelihood of a coin being just stuck or a coin just being held or and then we would know like if somebody were moving it or not and if what about just, like you like that you know you're holding on to your bitcoin for your kids and your kids kids you know if people have coins set aside for 18 years yeah yeah that's know. what i mean we're not gonna know i mean we're truly not gonna know i think it's gonna take a solid 20 years before bitcoin can really tell us anything about human behavior it's so new yeah, so like 12 years down the road when the vast majority of coins have been mined, if, if coins haven't moved in like 18 years, I think there's a pretty good chance they never will except for like that small minority that are like yeah. this is like their number one investment. I'd like to see a service kind of like you suggested that kind of compiles like all the addresses of coins that like haven't moved in say like five years or more. Total them up and then adjust accordingly when old coins move and like newer coins become five years old. Mm-hmm. It, it would be interesting to have that data. Yeah, there there might be something like that. Just some sort of probability that those coins are gone forever. And that way, it would help the market decide what the price of Bitcoin is as well. Because, like, if there's less coin out there, then... But also, you know, there's a lot of people listening right now that are going to say, you guys are some nubs, some flipping noobs. There's no way to calculate that. Why waste your time? And then I'll say to them, stop being a Debbie Downer-ass wet blanket bitch. Because there, you could do anything with math. Yeah. So I learned that on a children's show I was watching the other day. So A children's show? Yeah, it was like you could do anything with math. There's like a monkey in it. I don't know. Children's shows are mostly made by people that do a lot of drugs. I know that for a fact. So <laughs> it was just like. Any math, anything is possible. Math, and then there was a monkey, and then there was like a talking spider, and I was like, "What is going on?" Anyways, yeah. uh, Corey, you still there? Yeah, I was reading about that Bitcoin's days destroyed to see if you're right. You're pretty much you're pretty much spot on. And what's nice about it is that you can filter through the minimum age of the transaction. So it's it's a it's a what it also is is a cumulative transaction volume of the network. So is, so for instance, if I were to take 100 Bitcoins and wait and have them in an address and wait one week, that would be a total of seven. And then I move them after a week. So seven days, 100 times seven, that's 700. That would be a cumulative of 700 Bitcoin days destroyed. Mm-hmm. Okay. But 
and also it would be a transaction volume uh, of just 100 bitcoins. Yeah. But if I were to take that same 100 bitcoins and at first to disperse them across a ton of different smaller addresses, the moment I got them, wait seven days and then spend them all, that would be much, much more transaction volume mm-hmm. because I'm doing more transactions. But it's still 700 Bitcoin days destroyed because it's the same 700 Bitcoins. Mm-hmm. So what it does is it, it keeps you from, it, it's a, it's a better metric for the total amount of real transactions or movement of Bitcoin in the network than just counting up what money moves yeah. to what. Because you could be sending coin to yourself a hundred yeah. times a day and destroying a lot of Bitcoin time. But yeah. the different coins move, the actual different coins moving, that's the Bitcoin time that matters. So I, I thought that metric was interesting. And that's what I'm talking about is like all these different statistics that are being gathered, all this real-time data. Just imagine what people are going to be able to sink their teeth into in like 10 years or 20 years about Especially if the world starts using Bitcoin for certain things. I mean, it's going to be a data scientist's wet dream, really. It, it What's is. that altcoin? Yeah. What's that altcoin, D, that you said was on the rise? Uh, which one? Ethereum? Did you buy you mentioned it? You mentioned it last episode. Monero. Monero, Digibyte. It could have been. Are we talking about the one that can use as in-game video game currency? Yeah, well, let's just suppose that Bitcoin successor is that that coin that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and it's it's centrally planned and has an unlimited supply, but is well managed with like in, incorruptible governance. And let's just say it's gone to the moon. As all good money, it's going to be used for illegal purposes. We know that. However, at some point, I think the weakened world government will regain significant power. They're going to strike back. They're going to attack that altcoin that you mentioned last episode. And it's going to have a weak point, which is its central software repo, its dev team. Mm. And if I manage to stay anonymous, I can time lock most of my Bitcoin stash and distribute the Bitcoins to serve as a truly censorship resistant money. So this implies no hard forks, no soft forks, no newer release of a reference implementation. This is just plain 1.0 digital cash and the only evolvability in the form of side chains or payment channels. So why don't people like hold, wait for all that stuff to just go by the wayside? I mean, it's going to be so valuable. Bitcoin? Or the altcoin that you're talking about or just Bitcoin? Yeah, if people are still running full nodes and I can make a credible commitment to transaction security, then the Bitcoins could have some collectible value. I mean, yeah. for historical reasons, even. Yeah, that's why Bitcoin is running the show right now. I mean, it, I think, I really hope I'm not wrong on what I'm about to say, but you have to be a really hardcore idiot slash stupid person to not see the value in Bitcoin. And I'm just uh-huh. throwing that out there. Like, there's a lot of people and... Even the people that are, you know, really intelligent that like, mm, Bitcoin's kind of stupid, it'll never work. And I'm like, yeah, no, I think you're kind of stupid. And it can definitely work, like, if enough people get behind it. So, it... That's not to say that Bitcoin doesn't have its problems. It doesn't have things it has to try and conquer before 
it can be ready for such yeah. you know worldwide scale. Absolutely, that dude. That's a great segue into a lot of what this interview talked about with no. uh, what? Yeah, with James DeAngelo. I thought you said no, and I was like, what? Terrible segue. Don't do it. Yes, don't do that. James <laughs> DeAngelo. Uh, you guys may know James DeAngelo. Well, he's he's backed off quite a bit from his like educational, uh, I guess cornerstone or arch key arch arch key whatever he used to be like the youtube mini video version of andreas when i first got into bitcoin back in 2013 and he makes these really instructional videos and educational videos on uh, what's called wbn i believe that's the world bitcoin network world bitcoin network if you if you google that or youtube that You'll find his videos where he does just an amazing job rivaling Andreas, like right there, explaining the concepts of Bitcoin in a very, I, I, what I say is, uh, you know, a person is smart when they can Dr. Seuss a complex concept for somebody. Just make it really easy to understand. So like a kid who could, who just learned how to read could understand this concept, complex thing, even though that's a stretch, but that's what he does. Um, and he brings up the flaws in Bitcoin. And one of the flaws Bitcoin has right now is that a lot of it is centralized in China, both money wise. They're the ones doing all the trading and the transaction volume and mining wise. And that's something that he was really passionate about. Um, well, what, he, what he really mentioned, I guess, the main reason is that they're sitting next to the fabricators. And so they actually they have a natural advantage to keeping a one up on the technology it requires to mine Bitcoin. And if it, if this trend continues, it is based upon finding the newest and newest technology based on Moore's law, then we can't decent. We're not able to decentralize it, which mm-hmm. is, which is a flaw. He says the number one thing that should happen in Bitcoin is decentralization. And it's almost the number one thing we don't have. So he has really strong opinions on this and brings up really good points as to why he feels this way and we feel that this conversation needs to be pushed a little more yeah i mean he he drops a motherfucker too yeah he does it caught me off guard i liked it (laughs) i was like oh yeah we're having that kind of interview nice um yeah basically china can print off new chips and run mining farms that are always better than everyone else and that's a problem so if anything the community needs to start thinking global but acting locally and maybe we need to get some mining farms here in the u.s or you know we need to get some competition because it's it's going to be too too little too late if bitcoin becomes a thing and then all of a sudden all the mining is centralized in china and you're like holy damn this backfired on the world so not to say that china's bad it's just not good with a lot of things. I hope the I don't centralization get of, The centralization of any country is bad. Yeah. It's just, he says that due to the way China is run, it's probably worse that it's in China. Yep. Because then we'll, China... We'll let you hear the whole interview first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we tell you what he says. So, without further ado, Mr. James D'Angelo, Bitcoin enthusiast slash educator slash awesome... Motherfucker. Guy. Motherfucker. Bitcoin like a motherfucker. All right. He really is like a motherfucker. 
I'd like to say that I'm a huge fan. Uh, host number two, D. I've seen every video from from uh, WBN. I could say that you're brilliant at Dr. Seussing Bitcoin, is what I like to say. And I mean that you could take, uh, yeah, you take complex concepts and just strip away the difficulty and you flatten that learning curve. And so do you feel that educating the masses is an important piece of mass adoption puzzle? Yeah, I mean, good question. Uh, clearly, I, I, I do. I think, it, you know, I got a ton of education from all the people who are ahead of me in the space. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no way to get in without someone making that information available. I really had never considered anything to do with cryptography or digital currency before I started looking at Bitcoin. So, I needed a lot of introduction, and strangely, I reached out to a cryptographer here at UMass. I'm going to forget his name because now it's been a few years, um, but he was really helpful too. He's like, oh, you're doing Bitcoin. Oh, tell me all the stuff they're doing. Let me tell you what I can tell you, and that turned into my sections on the elliptic curves, which I was really just trying to answer for myself. So part of the education is me educating me and then just making that available. Um, and I was happy I did that. A number of people who were like, yeah, man, I really understand everything about Bitcoin except for the elliptic curve. And they watched my video. It took me a long time to do those specific ones um, because there was so little out there on it. Mm -hmm. It's The elliptic curve is, is kind of hard to grasp, but you make it easy. And so for anybody listening right now, go check out that video. Just type in WBN James D'Angelo on YouTube and you'll see what, why the math behind Bitcoin is so powerful and why you can put your faith in it. So. Yeah. And, and that was me. I'm like, Oh, I've got a lot of my net worth in this, but I don't understand it at all. So I might as well try and solve some of that. Um, because I, I think I've made it pretty clear that I was buying long before I understood anything. I'm <laughs> buying just because it's a risky asset. I'm like, this is risky assets. Um, so, you know, I, I probably got in for all the wrong reasons. Uh, you know, I just wanted some thrills. Hmm. Yeah. But being aware of that and then following up with hard due diligence is definitely what kept you in and kept you going. Yeah. 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 And I would say the due diligence was just because it was so darn fun. Like every time I, I learned something new, I was like, whoa, that is weird. That's cool. Oh my God, this is insane. You know, and obviously following the Andreas train as he's giving us like, you know, mind blowing nations and mind expanding visions of what the world that we've, we've stumbled in. Right. I saw him live at the, um, uh, a meetup in Los Angeles, I think early 2014, maybe. And, you know, the price was high. Um, the place was like 300 people outside the door, packed inside. They were handing out free beer. <laughs> you know, it's like, I brought my brother. I'm like, this is rock and roll, man. This is really fun, you know? Um, and, and so, yeah, the, it was great to just be on that train. Absolutely. You've done, you've done quite a bit of, I mean, education yourself on YouTube. You've, and you touch on 
uh, a wide range of human concepts from economy, mathematics, philosophy. But I mean, I, that's, that's also kind of due to the fact that Bitcoin touches on all these things naturally as well. Um, so if maybe when Bitcoin becomes adoptive, adopted at a, at a massive level, which aspect of humanity do you think will lead the charge? Economic necessity, philosophical shifts and how we you know, deal with money, or maybe perhaps even a recurrence in mathematical appreciation? Yeah, I, it's a good question. I mean, strangely, um, I'm absolutely, I'm most proud of, of something that I've done that gets, I think, less attention in space. So I don't think anyone's written up anything about it. But I actually get a lot of attention outside of Bitcoin for the work I did on identity. So I did a video on identity. And I'm now dealing with a team from UNICEF who is designing the software to build this as a proposal to help refugees in Europe right now fleeing from Syria um, because they're having a hard time building a reliable identity scheme uh, for those people. And they looked at this as the best possible. And uh, a lot of people in the Bitcoin world, when they hear the word identity and the whole idea of being identified, that's because they're already identified perfectly. So someone like, Andreas Antonopoulos, who claims he loves privacy, you can find out everything about the guy because he's telling you, right? You know where his next show is, where he's going to be, who he's going to talk to. His identity is very strong, and it's what propels his career forward. Now, imagine if you're in the opposite scenario where you're in uh, Burundi or Tanzania, countries that traditionally have offered no identity it's very hard for you to even build your own resume, to build your career, um, to establish that you're not a criminal. Uh, so identity is a great alibi uh, for when people are coming in and trying to do some sort of cleansing, as they might call it. So it's amazing how even for government programs that work very well in a lot of these poverty areas, they, they only work if you've got identity. So I'm really excited about that identity aspect. And I've been dealing a lot with the guys from UNICEF recently about that. Um, so it, it's weird that the things that, that I like don't really like run parallel to sort of the libertarian independent stream, yet we can understand what each other's goals are. I look at libertarians almost as hippie as I am, right? I think libertarians are almost uh, on the right hippie and I'm on the way left, right? There's, mm -hmm. you know, there's no <laughs> space between Bernie Sanders, you know, and the wall of being left. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty left. But, but that said, I, I, I respect all the efforts. Like Bitcoin is, is, is very libertarian more so than it is social. Um, but I, I love that. Right, that it doesn't go against my thoughts at all. Right, a system only works if it works, so it doesn't have to adhere to your political ideology if it solves the same problem. Um, so, solving currency without government, great, that's great, awesome. Hmm. Um, but until we do, I'll be like, yeah, currency is pretty good. You know, I, I'm not going to be the one raising the pitchfork and trying to kill everybody in the government. 
I like that. A system <laughs> only works if it works. <laughs> That's, I like that. It's yeah. definitely the metric. You know, so we have a lot of promise in Bitcoin right now, but it's still not working. Yeah, yeah. It's still not, you know, we still don't have it fleshed out. I don't have an identity scheme that I can sell you. It's still being programmed. We haven't tested it. You know, and even for a currency, I mean, you'd be absolutely on if you switched your right now, you know, this five-year-old, six-year-old baby um, that's still struggling to understand itself. You'd be on crack. You, you know, you've got to move slowly with your government currencies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited about it. I think Bitcoin can continue, but you just... You know, I'm. I, I guess I'm more on a slower pace than a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people want the the instant gratification of of all of the things that they <laughs> hear about and want, and they don't realize that a lot of this stuff takes a long time to iterate and get done right. Uh, which is, I guess, oh my god, to yeah. To my next question is is it's slightly controversial, but um predicted in a recent interview that companies like Bitfury and 21.co, these, these companies that are trying to, I guess, lay the foundation for these slow starts will be out of business in 2017. Do you still believe that? And what made you say it? I do. I, I just think because I think they're probably good people, right? I, I think they're a bit too hippie for the business they're in. I see. I think that Every bet they're making is a bet on mining. So even their computer is somewhat of a mining bet, right? I'm going to invest 400 bucks to have this little thing generate some small amount of coins for me so that I can have access to these Bitcoin-type products. Now, for me personally, I'm like, why would I spend 400 when I can just buy straight Bitcoin and have those coins and, and see it appreciate as opposed to see my hardware depreciate as the hash rate is jacking up. They're also involved in mining and they're losing their shirts. Um, you know, I think bit furious as well, right? They got really angry. They sent me all these crazy tweets when I said <laughs> it, but I'm just like, you can't sit here in the United States where the shit fabricated and sold firsthand and dealt with right hot off the press you know, we're getting the bread from like three months ago and it's pretty hard by the time we're trying to mine with it. <laughs> and so, you know, when I spoke at the MIT Bitcoin conference, in no uncertain terms, one of the Chinese miners is offering me money to shut up. And I'm laughing my head off, right? There's people around who are just like in shock, you know, at these people, <laughs> what they're trying to do. They're buying me booze, they're, they're like, but what would happen? You know, we're investing in Bitcoin. We really love Bitcoin. I'm like, no, you love yourself, right? But we're building this infrastructure for you guys. What will happen if you take us away from proof of work? I'm like, well, you can melt down your stuff, see if there's any gold, you know, move on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and you can see them just going crazy. And, but I really have problems with the process that's centralized over there and very dangerous relationships that are happening currently with people who are producing the chips. Um, And, you know, I haven't seen anyone come up with a reasonable argument against it. Peter Todd was furious, but we had a little back and forth and he started liking my tweets at the end. 
And then everyone ignores it, right? We just move on, right? We ignore the fact that the number one condition for Bitcoin, which is decentralization, is not true. We don't know how not true it is, but it's not as true as we thought. And we move on. And that's why I claim you'd just be absolutely crazy as a country to adopt Bitcoin right now and can't even prove the number one criterion that your currency has, which is decentralized. Um, so, so no, I, I'm a huge fan of Bitcoin. I've invested an inordinate amount of time in it. I think it's a shame that we're ignoring the biggest problem. Um, so I introduced that at a talk at MIT, and my, the name of my talk was A Pen Should Write, right? You can use a pen to do a lot of things. So you can use Bitcoin to create currency, make identity, do all these things. But if the central feature of it is not true, it, no one's going to want it, right? You're not going to buy a pen as a weapon because <laughs> it can write. Um, the sense. fact that Bitcoin is decentralized why it exists. If it's not decentralized, Visa is much better. Yeah. Hey, because they're not under the hand of the president of China, or whatever they call it, Premier, the, the Highness Xi Jinping. You know, he, he every month in the economic magazine, he's done something more preposterous than the month before. You know, mm. let's let's move ten towns and dam that river. You know, the Yangtze River. Let's. Uh, clean out Beijing and put up a place for the Olympics and just people's houses, everything moves, right? Um, he has that kind of arbitrary power and that's dangerous power. Hmm. Um, so, so if it was centralized in the U.S., I'd be concerned. It's centralizing China, so I'm a little more concerned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially with that arbitrary power. And, hmm. and so you've got these guys here in the United States, 21, which is where the question started, who are mining. And they're trying to mine basically by the rules, which is we buy the ASICs directly and and we mine. And when you question that and go, is it really direct? Are they getting the chips that came out today or the chips that came out two months ago? And the answer is they don't know. And the answer is they don't know how many are being produced at a much lower cost by the collusion that's, I guarantee, happening in China. Um, and so they're going to get knocked right out of the business and my hash rate's going up. And if you do the math on it, say you have 80% of the mining, which I suspect is probably what, what's up. Um, and you know everyone involved, so you know where all 80% is. Then you look around the world and you see where that other 20% is and you see why you're losing whatever 20% of the mining reward every day. So you're losing, you know, $300,000 or whatever it is every day. And you're like, well, if we just keep our foot on the gas a little bit longer and jack up these hash rates, that 20% will eventually fall off. And we'll know they have completely centralized mining when the hash rate goes like this and just flattens out. And when someone tries to get in, it'll bump up again. And then it'll flatten out. And they'll be like, oh, thanks for your $2 million a day, all of Bitcoin. Thank you. Thank you. And they just stick their straw in that money bowl and they drink. And we're giving it to them. 
That's $2 million that I would love to see going toward Bitcoin mining, software production, development, decentralization. You know, that's $2 million lost. That's a lot of dough. That's a lot of dough even for a chip fab. Chip fabs make a lot of dough. Hmm. Jeez. So is there a reversal from that? Do you feel like China just has it by the gonads and we're, and Bitcoin stuck? Like, I, I would say Bitcoin's not stuck, but proof of work is. Right? So that's, I keep saying, that's, you know, Satoshi made a fundamental, big-ass, really retarded mistake. There's no way to argue it. It's a mistake. Let's get over it. Now let's figure out how to get around that problem. But you're going to post this. Don't post this title is what I'm saying right now because you'll get knocked down on Reddit. You have the worst combustible combination of people on Reddit because they're invested in Bitcoin. So they really want the price, as you said, the instant gratification to be up tomorrow. So here's their philosophical desires for Bitcoin, and here's their financial desires. And it's like, it wouldn't, it'd be a lot better if it was like this. And, and they were worried about making the best possible product, but instead they're worried about cashing out at 1000 Hmm. or something like that uh, you know it's just what it is it's it's a bad mix so there is no objective place to publish uh, counter Bitcoin thoughts and so as much as I love Andreas you'll notice he's never critiqued Bitcoin and so he continues to do fabulously well by being somewhat of a salesman you know unfortunately I hate to say it but that's what he is He's never critiqued one aspect of Bitcoin. Everything's always good. He's sort of the Dr. Pangloss of, of Bitcoin. I, and did, I did actually hear him talk about how the centralization of, of Bitcoin in its current state is a bad thing and that the proof of work would have to change. He said that? Yeah, that was in one of the uh, Let's Talk Bitcoin podcasts. And I was surprised. that the, I, I, I believe the same thing you did and that he usually never... He never really... He tweeted. He tweeted. So I've kind of tried to stink this up as much as possible to get a discussion. He tweeted basically saying that, well, Moore's Law is going to end, and then all mining chips will be commoditized. Well, there's two huge assumptions there. Moore's Law is going to end. There's no evidence of that at all. Um, Moore's Law is slowing down. We, We know that. But there's really big talk about, you know, dropping die size down even in the next couple of years and maybe even getting down to seven millimeter in the next five or ten. Um, that's a huge jump from where we are now. So Moore's Law is not over. And so, therefore, you won't have a commoditized chip. This is his argument. He, he said it recently in his, his talk somewhere in Europe, Eastern Europe. Um, and he's tweeted this. And that's just a bit optimistic. It's based on no realistic data. Now, even the whole idea that they'll be commoditized such that we won't have a player like owning 80% of the mining, you know, all of a sudden they'll just be like salt and everybody will have salt. Well, there's just no, there's no real understanding of how the history works. So even in 1860, 
Jay Gould tried to corner the market for gold. Gould's gold. And he got close. And that's mm-hmm. gold, right? Home was producing more. You could mine out more if you could, but it was, you know, they were getting slow. And he got very close to cornering gold. Everything centralizes, which is why every major country on earth, every developed country for sure, some of their most severe, most toxic laws are antitrust laws, decentralization laws. You make laws to make sure that the phone companies are decentralized, car manufacturers are decentralized, bread manufacturers. If your podcast took over YouTube, they come in and decentralize you. Hmm. So antitrust laws are strictly that. And they exist in Japan, they exist in China, they exist in everywhere you want to go. And we kind of forget about that when we talk about decentralization and how serious a problem the economies of scale have been to history and how massively and powerfully they act. And anytime you don't have those laws where they don't apply immediately, well, guess what? They don't apply to the mining of Bitcoin. And a government on earth cares about the centralization of the mining of Bitcoin. Mm. And they're centralized. Wow. And so you've really got to do some sort of equation, some sort of math, really glossy math, to kind of get to the point where, hey, they're going to control all these chips, and then what? They're going to print out a bunch and just start handing them out? Or they're going to not produce, and now you're going to have to produce somewhere else, and yet they've already did all the built all the dyes. If you made your own chip, there's a big investment just making the first chip. So you're talking millions and millions of dollars now just to make the first one. And they've already got that going on. And they're probably at one of the most aggressively powerful chip fabs in the world. And there's only six of them. So, <laughs> hmm. you know, it, it's tough math he's doing. It's very, it's very optimistic. And all I'm saying is why not embrace the fact that it's really happening now it's not going to change next year or next year, or next year. So it's only going to get worse. Big problems could happen next year or the following. Let's consider this as a problem and look at it. I had big problems with Andreas when he was talking about how impossible a 51% attack would be. And his numbers, when I did my two videos on, on 51% attacks, were just way off. Were just, yeah, it's a hawk. So there were, Say that again? It's the Falcon. The Falcon, I mean. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, you can see him. Yeah, that's my son. He's, he just got two new toys. It's funny, so, hey, he, brings a, it's yeah. funny he brought He's the favorite. Avengers into it. Because I was saying, like, we should totally try and yeah. get you and Andreas in the same talk. And it'll be like Captain America versus Iron Man. <laughs> I'm talking about well, Bitcoin. No, if I, if I was in the same room with Andreas, I would be outclassed. He's so much sharper and faster than I am. Just to think of my face, he wakes up and does them. He's really bright, what? really sharp, and I've learned a ton from him. Daddy. But at some point, Daddy. Yes, I'm on it. Oh, can I stop talking? Let me let me send you back to mommy for a second. Daddy. This is <laughs> podcasting. Got a here, here, take the bad guy. <laughs> All right. So just as a, an important reminder, when the 51% attack, when I did my videos, they were in response to a website 
that was posting the current price of 51% attack. And it was in the billions of dollars. I'm like, I can do that math in my head and there's no billions of dollars here. And when I started doing the math, I got the lowest number down to around 20 million. Um, and that fluctuates dramatically and it can drop. I think the lowest it's ever been has been under 10 million. Um, and it, it hasn't gone up significantly over time because of Moore's law, right? We keep thinking the more people that are mining, the price goes up, but it's not necessarily true. Um, and so it was just real important for me to understand what I'm investing in and how risky it is. But at that time, you know, you, you did have people like Andreas and that doing these calculations to me that were absurd. Um, it's the price of a battleship, you know, to, to run a 51% attack. And I'm like, if I was working at a chip fab, it might cost me about a million bucks. And that's the price you have to worry about is the cheapest one. It's not the most expensive 51% attack, you know, um, mm-hmm. but the cheapest. So I, I think my math holds up. That's probably the only thing I'm good at. Um, <laughs> we could, I guess if we could put our, our try to tap into our inner Nostradamus, what do you see in the world today? <laughs> I mean, like what? Now that the Pandora's box has been opened, and we have what people would call blockchain technology, we have Bitcoin, um, and it's beautiful. What does it look like twenty years from now, or like when it's been around for twenty years? What like what? What are your shower thoughts in the future? I really, really hope we solve it. I really hope that it is working. I I see so many beautiful things that I never imagined. Um, and that's part of why I did the, the million killer apps. And I didn't even do my third one, you know, because I've been overwhelmed with my regular life. But it really does just change the way the world can work. And it's unfortunate that most of the world hasn't understood how beautiful that is. So you have Bill Gates still trying to solve currencies in Africa. And I'm like, uh, you could use Bitcoin to solve that right now. Right. And you wouldn't be trading Bitcoin because it's too volatile, but you could build something like a color coin on top of it and he could back it and it busters. And the identity scheme is being solved by some folks at UNICEF, but they're young, they're bright, they follow Bitcoin. It's going to be really hard for them to sell it on up. And so a lot of these ideas are just going to take forever to build up. And if this whole experiment as Gavin and Andreessen likes to call it, fails, that would be too bad because it really is a, it's a beautiful dream. Um, and so I'd say Satoshi gave us that. Now it's up to us to solve the little kinks and, and, and get it solved. But yeah, we're, we're, we're being goofy. And, and the thing that's important, a lot of people will be like, oh, James, he doesn't like Bitcoin anymore. This applies 100% to Ethereum. So the same problem, centralization of mining, if Ethereum starts blowing up anymore, what happens tomorrow with Ethereum? They're SHA-3. What's the big difference, right? You make the ASIC, centralizes. Any coin that's using proof of work um, is going to run into this. And they keep going, oh, Lord, we're going to go to proof of stake tomorrow. And I'm like, you guys go to proof of stake tomorrow. I'm going to sell my Ethereum. A, risky. <laughs> not sure it's going to work. B, you motherfuckers own a lot of Ethereum. So my 51% attack is now going to be you guys, right? So they're trying to solve this problem, but they had a dirty launch for a proof-of-stake release. 
right? If you do a proof of stake, you want to somehow prove to everyone that you've distributed beforehand. We know that it didn't happen with Ethereum. We know that people who've left Charles Hodgson have walked out with tons of it, right? So would I want to attack from the five goofballs who left Ethereum? No. So they've got a lot of problems uh, in, in the entire space. So it's not just Bitcoin that we're talking about. It's anything. Um, and and they, they need to be looked at clearly. Now, keep in mind, I do hold investment in Ethereum and I do hold investment in Bitcoin. It's less since I thought of all of this. But I also know that people don't listen and people don't think and no one understands shit. So I didn't sell it all. Right. <laughs> I was like, OK, we have time to figure this out. Um, so <laughs> yeah um so i guess um, it seems to me that so i guess it seems it'd be pretty obvious that, that is there an echo yeah i sound that goofy when i talk i'm in a really big room i don't know you guys can't see it in the audio but this room's enormous so oh okay. you're probably echoing <laughs> off my walls <laughs> Um, so I guess, I mean, it's, we're talking math here. Could it not be hard coded into some sort of proof of whatever they call it to prevent centralization and mining and prevent these things? I mean, I guess. Centralization. So the, what is, what is it that Bitcoin solved? It was decentralization supposedly, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. So worked forever to try and solve centralization and realize how impossible that is because things always centralize. And I would say, unfortunately, Bitcoin has failed at that. Hmm. And they failed off of the very obvious premise, you know, Satoshi says it in his white paper, one CPU equals one vote. Now, I don't even have to poke fun at that. That's so foolish at this point in 2016. But that's that's right in the center of his main paragraph on what protects Bitcoin, which is proof of work. So right at the very heart of Bitcoin, we've got this real fundamental misunderstanding of how voting works and how centralization works. So here you have this really bright guy who on many levels understood a ton of things. He didn't understand voting and he didn't understand economies of scale. And that's just clear. Now, does that mean that we won't be able to solve it? I say now we have this real big incentive, right? A, I've got my thousands of dollars of Bitcoin that I don't want to lose. Um, but I also have this work that I put in. So, you know, I came up with this idea for climate change, this idea for identity, other ideas that I have. Uh, if Bitcoin disappears and is foolish, then I've lost what I consider some of the things I'm more proud of. So we have to look really hard now at how we would decentralize and, you know, the unfortunately, I say the only way I think that will happen will be by including identity and identifying not people who send transactions, that stays completely anonymous, but the people who mine. And if you don't want to be identified, don't mind. You know, tough titties, right? But I'll gladly identify myself and take the risk of some government trying to put me in jail for my 10 Bitcoins a day, um, you know, all mine. Thank you. Um, and get massively rich off of protecting Bitcoin and have a real incentive to do it. And the beauty is, if we identify miners, then we don't need to worry about proof of work at all, which is slowing everything the fuck down. 
right? There's scaling is all because it's choking on proof of work, which doesn't work anyways. So if you sent me all the transactions, I would run through the same software to verify them. And as soon as they were verified, I wouldn't go and start hashing anything. I wouldn't create nonsense. I wouldn't go and try and create some random string with 18 million zeros at the beginning. I would just go, they're mine. So it would take seconds. Hmm. And I would send that out with my signature on it. And that would be mine. Now say I went corrupt on it, went total crazy. The next miner, that would just be one confirmation. The next miner would validate. There are issues with that. And I'm not a software genius, but I know enough to know that there's enough issues with that that aren't easy. But by adding identity, all the miners are pretty much identified. People are like, oh, my God, you can't identify miners. I'm like, BitFury self-identifies. <laughs> 21 self-identifies. Every miner I know self-identifies. Mm-hmm. So if they're already self-identified, why not just get rid of the work? I mind. And then we, we would be sure. Yep. Exactly. I'd be all over that. I'd be, and would you mind honestly? Because if you did mind honestly, you'd get kicked out. So you'd lose your Bitcoins, right? That you're making. So you do everything to mine honestly. So the same game is at play, except now you can scale because you don't choke on freaking proof of work, which sucks. Um, so Unfortunately, I think the only way to decentralize that we've ever seen is to actually see who the people are who were decentralizing. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I think it would take a few years for the network to recover because Bitcoin's price would drop no matter what you did if you changed the proof of work algorithm. But that thing would just keep working and that would just keep working and it would move fast. And and you could even take you could even consider those miners. I, I know people hate this, but you could consider those miners. Say there's a thousand, and then they could vote on updates, which is exactly what the miners do, anyways. Except there's only eight of them. They could vote on updates. They can be kind of this representative force. So everything that everybody hates about this, I just hate to say, is already happening, anyways. And yet we're just slowing ourselves down with pretending that proof of works working. So, so what do you say what most do you say of the mine somewhere? Go ahead. I'm sorry. What do you say to uh, there's some people that don't say there's many layers of decentralization in Bitcoin and that the mining is only one and that it's not necessarily the most important decentralization in Bitcoin, whereas the the, the, the market It is the only one that matters. So you say it's you say it's the only no, one it's the only one that really matters. So why would why would someone? I guess you're right in that the the decentralization of mining is a huge issue. In that, if they control the network, then there's no real way to honestly move move the move the uh, development of the network, and they take all the money in terms well, of mining, but. It's not. Yeah, it, it's so much more perverse than you're even considering, right? So I'm, I'm centralized mining, or I haven't. There's five of us, and we're all in China. Now one day Xi Jinping comes in with his pen and goes, all right, guys, back up. We're going to continue mining, but we're going to run a nonstop 51% attack because Taiwan has decided they're going to use Bitcoin for its state money, and I'm going to teach him a lesson. 
And so what they're going to do is they're going to run a 51% attack for five weeks where they don't pass one transaction. Okay, so that's shutting down the network entirely. You try and run, you try and fork off, they come after you. There's no way. So the, the, the fools who tried to interview me from Florida, um, who came at me really aggressive, really angry characters, didn't understand how proof of work works. So sitting there being all arrogant, they think they've got me back in a corner. And that the one thing they don't understand is proof of work, right? They call themselves the Bitcoin gurus. And all I'm saying is, you guys came at me with a lot of stuff, except you didn't understand the one thing you needed to understand for this conversation, which is if there's a 51% attack and you decide to fork the network, if you're still using SHA-256, I turn all my money at you, right? We just keep coming after you. We keep destroying you. If you break from SHA-256, then all of a sudden it's anybody's game. If I'm ready already with PCs, all ready to go, I'm going to start mining like crazy and attacking the network as well. So it's just really, really deadly proposal to allow for these things to centralize. There's so many other things Xi Jinping could do, right? It could change immediately the amount of coins in the network. Hmm. Just go from 21 to 800 million. What's your Bitcoin worth that day? Nothing, Right. Oh, we're going to fork and we're going to play nice over here and use our little fork. He's going to attack your fork. So, yeah, it's when I say decentralization matters, it matters. It matters a ton. Hmm. Um, so even if you trust the benevolent dictator who centralized, they may get compromised. They could get shot. They could have a gun to their head. They're, you know, I'm Sicilian. I know how to get people to do something if I'm acting illegally. Um, <laughs> but doesn't doesn't like I guess the idea of attacking the network is is not within their interest, at least at the current state, because they're profiting. They're profiting greatly from the fact that Bitcoin is running and there is a value. Correct, correct. The, the incentives are aligned for those miners. But if there's two or three of them, remember. Their incentives might be aligned, but Xi Jinping has no investment in Bitcoin. In fact, he probably hates Bitcoin, right? There's already some capital flight leaving. If he's aware of Bitcoin, he doesn't like it already. Um, and he has zero investment. What's, in, what, what's he going to lose if he attacks Bitcoin tomorrow? I'll tell you where he's going to lose nothing. He'll probably make a lot of friends. Hmm. So those guys, their incentives are good, but they're centralized. If you had one in each country, it's worth nothing to the network, right? But as soon as you centralize, it becomes a political currency. And it just so happens we put our political currency in a very politically volatile country, right? Mm. Any country would be bad, and it just happens to be pretty darn bad. Um, mm. So I wonder what it takes to get the rest of the world you on know, Well, but who cares if the world's on board? They've got all the power. Yeah. What are you going to do? Start putting chips in your house, right? What are you going to do? We've 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 put all Bitcoin basically survives on trust with chip fabs, and you can't even turn turn around tomorrow and try and get an American chip fab to start printing those ASICs. It's going to take them a while, and you're going to need a lot of beginning costs and startup costs. You don't just turn a chip around. You know, it just doesn't happen. And so if that 51% attack starts, 
and you haven't already prepared with a chip fab and already put the money in, you're done. It's just over. Hmm. So, so that's just the way it is. Um, you know, I said, come up with some proof of goofiness, right? Where you, you have it half proof of work and half Andreas. Well, I would sleep a lot better because I actually really trust Andreas to support Bitcoin, right? <laughs> so now you've got half of them all in China and half of them wherever Andreas is. And Andreas will mop up all the transactions they're not mining and mine. Well, you can take that to a logical conclusion where it's not just Andreas, but maybe it's you guys. And now all of a sudden I'll sleep even better, right? Because now it's, oh, five different people. Much harder to compromise. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I don't claim that my solution works. I see problems with, with it myself, but there's people out there brighter than me that could look at this and start to figure out solutions that might work even better. I'm just saying there's a problem. People all go, oh, you come up with a problem, tell me your solution. I'm like, if I tell you you can't jump to the moon, do I need to jump to the moon? No, I can tell you pretty logically and help you from not killing yourself that you aren't going to be able to jump to the moon. <laughs> Decentralization is, <laughs> is jumping to the moon. And right now I'm saying we aren't succeeding at that. So solving it is something that I think needs more work. Um, I should just embrace the fact that we've already kind of got identity in mining and take advantage of that. Okay. Well, we'll wrap up here. Uh, sounds like your son wants you to play with your his adventures. His adventures. <laughs> Always. <laughs> we just have uh, one last question to ask you. Either. Okay. It is, in 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Decentralized consensus, period. There we go. Two words. I feel like everyone's responses just get better and better. We need to take the stipulations <laughs> down, Corey, like in five words in or, words less. or less. <laughs> yeah, two words or less. That's the new. No, I would the first word in quotes. <laughs> So yeah. it might just be consensus, which isn't so exciting. Decentralized is so exciting. It's revolutionary, so beautiful, most wonderful thing in the world. And so we have to figure that out. And but it's what, really difficult. PhD in computer science. It's in, my faith in you. Yeah, yeah it's working on it. <laughs> well, thank awesome. you very much for your time this evening. Mr. D'Angelo, really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to, you know, everybody listening right now, check out the videos on YouTube. If there's anything missing in the cracks with your understanding of Bitcoin, I'm pretty sure uh, he will fill it in and it will be awesome and you'll feel good about Bitcoin and maybe be inspired to fix some of these problems that Bitcoin has that don't get highlighted enough. So have a good and, evening. And I'm sure you have some sort of wherever you post this there'll be a dialogue below it in the post. And I'm pretty good at responding to all questions and queries. So awesome. Um, come well, at me. I say, come <laughs> at me as hard as you want. <laughs> how am I going to learn if you don't tell me what you think? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, have a good evening and thank you for stopping by. We really appreciate it. Gentlemen, thanks a lot. Have a, have a great evening. All right. Have a good night.
And that was the interview. What? I think he's always trying to ruin my lead-ins and my lead-outs. No, I'm your backup uh, lead-in. Like a backup singer, I'm your backup lead-in. <laughs> and that was the interview with James D'Angelo, uh, aka Boss of All Bosses, aka uh, Bitcoin Baron, aka Doomsday. Uh, say what? Doomsday Teller. Yeah, aka Doomsday Teller. Uh, aka Motherfucker uh, D'Angelo. Aka Motherfucker D'Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure all of these nicknames aren't true. I'm just throwing them out there, throwing them out there. Uh, but it was a great interview, nevertheless. So um, now that you've also had a healthy dose of not echo chamber optimism, yeah, it's it, it's which a is, reality. It's, it's good. You should, this is something that needs to be discussed more and open because things can't develop if you never talk about address discuss, refute, et cetera, the problems that are growing on the horizon. What's what's in the future? What's currently an issue now? Like a lot of people don't even like there's poignant issues with how things are working now and our ability to scale on a large level. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, we love Bitcoin, go Bitcoin. And they don't talk about this shit. Yep. And And then he don't talk about it. Then you're just doomed to fail. If you ignore it, then it's going to bite you in the ass. Basically, he's calling big, the Bitcoin community a bunch of Dallas Cowboys fans right now. Don't yeah, well, realize, some, don't realize that uh, your shit stinks because you love your team so much that you're unwilling to go up with the obvious flaws and fix them. I mean, so, why are you gonna hate on Dallas Cowboys? Give me a break. Well, because they're the most delusional fans. Yeah, they're like, but it's oh. the Cowboys. It's America's team. It's like, dude, Tony Romo doesn't. He can barely stand up. At dinner meetings, <laughs> and you really you want to put that old, injured, decrepit guy back there with three hundred pound defensive lineman sprinting at his face? It's like no, but he's Tony Romo. He's gonna wiggle out of it. And there's Tony Romo. He looks injured on this play. This is not gonna be good. For the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> it's like what? Get a yeah, new right. quarterback. There are there are <laughs> way more cheerleaders in the Bitcoin space now than there needs to be. Yeah. Be a re- be a real fan like me, a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Like, ah, yeah, we are mediocre. We may beat you. We're probably not gonna. But, <laughs> but we're, <laughs> we're going to have a couple big plays in there because we usually have one really good guy on our team. So, yep. See it. Won't see you in the playoffs. See you at the draft. That'd be a fun blog <laughs> to make. Just, just make that corollary the entire time. Keep the analogy running. <laughs> what kind of fan you should be for Bitcoin? <laughs> so that would be good. That would be good. So just not a Chicago Cubs fan because they lose at everything. But um, let's talk. I wanted to talk about something. We talked about it in between the interview. Like as we were recording that live interview, Cello and I had a psych psychokinetic conversation about people in the world that are generally not super duper smart and these are the people that bitcoin's going to need to service and so marcello I believe you were telling us this week you had a interesting conversation with a grocery store cashier yeah i didn't even tell you guys the full the full story because i was typing it so i go up 
I go up and I have a coupon that doesn't scan. So she has to manually input it, which means that she has to do manual math. And then that's when hilarity ensued. So she had to know what 20% of $5 was. I told her it was a dollar. She didn't believe me. She grabbed another employee who did not know either. So the lady next to me in line took her hands and counted one, two, three, four, five, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. It's one. And then she proceeded to, I guess, just believe us on a whim. I don't think she got it. And then she said, I hate when my job makes me do math. And then I looked her in the eye and I said, you are a cashier. That is your job. That is your job description. <laughs> That's what I mean, though. Like we've, we've, I've talked about this time and time again. I've harped on it. I'm going to harp on it again. Our society is dumbing us down by offloading the responsibility to do anything with our brains. Yep. You, don't have, you don't have to use your brain right now if you don't choose to do it. You can, you can survive and not get hit by cars your entire life for <coughs> 70 years and be dumb as a fucking rock. It's, you can do that now. In the past, you just got cold from society and society grew to be a better place. Now you're being bolstered up by all the technology we have. So you don't even have to think anymore. And I, it's, it's terrible because we have a growing society of unproductive people, just zombies who don't do anything and don't contribute anything. And that number grows as we enable them. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if people like that lose their money. I don't give a shit. They should lose their money because they're fucking dumb. And the people who steal it from them deserve it. We are ruthless here at the Bitcoin podcast. Uh, maybe it's not that strong of an opinion, but it's like you said cold. You yeah, said cold in there the is, text. There is a small percentage of me, as in the elitist that I am, that a good a good portion of people should probably be cold from society. They're not doing anything. <laughs> they don't. It's not like they're they're you know taking all the the jobs that no one else can do. It's like no, a computer can do their job, and they're not necessary. Dude, just you, wasting space. You literally. I remember the quote because I laughed out loud like while I was teaching because it came up, and I was like, and you said if you can't do basic arithmetic, you should be cold. <laughs> yeah, and th- for those that don't know what calling means, calling means being killed off from society. Yeah, it's, you're 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 killing the. It's like thinning the herd. But there was no, the there's way. no shame in her game though. Like when she said, "I hate it when they make me do math." She expected everyone around her to laugh, but we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but we did not we laugh. Were, we were sad. And to to add on to that. When it goes down the vein of stupidity in society. And by the way, everyone listening, that's where the root mean is. We know if you're listening to this show, you're probably into Bitcoin, which means you might probably into tech. You're probably white, probably in your 30s, probably, you know, has some sort of techie job. That's just how the stats roll. But the majority of society is on the root mean of not knowing 20% of $5. (laughs) You know, I taught yeah. being a person that you are listening to this podcast, you're a few standard deviations above the mean. Like, so you, the fact that you know what that means means that you're a few standard deviations above the mean. Yes, if you know what that means, then know that Bitcoin <laughs> isn't servicing you in the long run, 
Bitcoin is servicing people that don't know 20% of $5. So how do we build this thing to take into account for people that would rather finger paint than maybe read a book probably? Like, well, no, there's good finger painters out there. But not the good kind of finger painting that you'd see on a nice YouTube video. Like finger painting that a two-year-old can do. So, um, I thought that was interesting uh, to bring up just because so people realize who we're building this thing for. Okay. Or not oh, building. There's, there's one up? thing I wanted to, to bring up is that uh, Shapeshift, that, the hack that you mentioned last week, mm-hmm. they found out that uh, it was someone on the team that was involved. It was an that assisted an outside hacker. So I just want to say that uh, they don't have the Bitcoin podcast uh, friendship task force that we have. We don't have mm-hmm. to worry about that. So Eric, it sucks for you. Maybe you should surround yourself with better people and get rid of your yacht. Yep. I mean, Clive Owen got you. Inside, got you. man. Mark Wahlberg it threw your, your safe under the water and hacked it. Yep. It's a bad thing, but we're, I mean, the, the community felt, felt this. I, I, I feel like the price adjusted Ethereum tanked quite a bit and partial probably because of this. I mean, it's, it was an incredibly useful utility for the community. And since there isn't anything else like it right now, there's one, there's another, there are other ones, but they don't, they don't just, they don't work as well right now. And they're not nearly widely known. So I think a lot of people are waiting for it to come back and me being one of them, because I used it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's even so like good. some of the wallets, a lot of people have their API incorporated into the wallet to make the wallet more, a, a better. They essentially no longer have a large portion of their functionality and why people downloaded their wallet in the first place because of this. It's, yeah. it's made a lasting impact. And it's whoever did it is a toolbox and needs to be culled from society. I'm going to keep going with that. I need to keep using it. Corey, I don't know if you should. <laughs> it's my, the, my tag. That's my tagline. You can't just throw genocide out there like it's cool. Like no, people not tend genocide. not to like it. Not He's like a nerdy it's punisher. Thinning the herd. It's just thinning the herd. <laughs> oh, I've been watching that daredevil, man. Euphemisms can go go very far. Nerdy Punisher. Hey, hey. Corey is a nerdy Punisher. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> I have a PhD, but I want your body to go cold. Can you multiply fractions? Ew, I don't like fractions. Blah, blah. Just get blah, 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 off blah. the face of the planet. <laughs> if you don't like fractions, then it's I not, guarantee you don't like even, that lead. It's not even the fact that I guess what really bothers me is the complacency with ignorance. It's not being ignorant. It's being okay with being ignorant. And oh, my God. It, and I agree. Like I said, there was no shame in her game. Like she, it's not like she's going to go home and and try to read or yeah. increase her knowledge. <laughs> she you probably know, watched, you know, Rick and Morty and smoked weed and was completely no, fine. No, no, she didn't today. get jokes in Rick and Morty. She's watching. <laughs> she's watching the Oxygen Channel. Nope. She's watching <laughs> Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and taking notes. That's what she's doing. I, dude. Just one last thing. That's what gets on my, what you just said, Corey, gets on my nerves, the complacency. I work in education and I'm a teacher and the, I hear this all the time when I go to tutor and there's a bunch of other teachers in the room tutoring. And like, I hear an English teacher, not to rag on English teachers. And if any of my friends are listening by chance, not to rag on you, but when you say this shit, it just to the core hurts me. When a kid comes to you with a question about algebra or math and you say, oh, no, I don't do math. You're going to have to take that to the math guy. 
and they come to me. It's like I'm okay with taking the math questions. But here's the thing. When a student comes to me with an English question, I don't say, I don't fucking know English. You're going to have to take that to an English person. <laughs> no, I look up the shit that I don't know and then teach it because I'm a teacher. Like, ah, oh, it gets on my nerves. So don't be complacency with ignorance. It's just like, oh, Mr. Ferguson, can you help me write this paper? It's like, nope, never fucking written anything in my life. So I can't help you with that, kid. Get you know what? I got it. fired from Best Buy that, that way. Like, someone would come to me, I'm on the floor, and they'd be like, hey, can you tell me about this TV? And I'd be like, why don't you go ask someone in the TV department? And my manager heard me and got fired. Because it's so, it's the, it's the most mentally bad thing to do. Like, oh, I know I work here and everything, but uh, sorry I'm wearing this blue shirt. Didn't. Just because I'm dressed this way. <laughs> I knew you were, Just because I'm dressed this way. Anyways, let's wrap this up. Um, so, iTunes, Twitter, you know yep. where to find us. Twitter. New, Google our name. That yep. works. The Bitcoin Podcast, if you Google it, we show up first. If you type Bitcoin Podcast, we may or may not show up first. But we're up there. Like, we're on the come up. Um, by the way, just thanks to everybody who listens all the time. Um, we love you. We love all of you. Yeah. You guys really boost us and you keep us doing this and we love doing this and we want to get better at it, you know? So definitely keep listening and, you know, throw us some suggestions and, uh, shout out to everyone. Um, that's awesome. That's helping us out with this show. Um, shout out to your warm bodies. Yep. Yep. If you, uh, Google just Bitcoin space podcast. We're number seven and eight. Nice. So. We're on the front page now. Uh, so what else? No, um, nope. I take that back. We're just seven. Just seven. Uh, shout out to Zoe Saldana, of course. Uh, we'd love to have you on the show. Um, just to talk, hang out, maybe go to Starbucks. Um, the Bitcoin com is the website. At the BTC podcast is the Twitter. Cello runs the Twitter. He loves it. He's good at it. Our Twitter presence is growing. Uh, Zapchain, we've officially kind of unofficially left in the dust. Sorry, Matt. Uh, Sorry about you. It got weird. Got really weird. Um, <laughs> it just got too weird. Had to get out of there. Um, and then, hey, you know, you know, Zoe Saldana uh, is uh, half Lebanese. And uh, didn't you date a Lebanese woman? How'd that I, go? I did date a Lebanese woman. Uh, it didn't go too well because she ended up having to be arranged married to another Lebanese person. So what's that called? Arranged marriage or. Yeah. Is that just what it's called? Yep. Well, anyways, yeah, it didn't go too well because I'm not Lebanese. Okay. So anyways, uh, so, oh, you're saying like me and Zoe Saldana couldn't be a thing because she's Lebanese. Yeah, her name is Zoe Yadira Zaldana Nazario Perigo. What? That's a lot Crazy of names. Crazy Lebanese. <laughs> All right, we'll end on that one. All right, we're going to go ahead. Oh, I, fell into a, I fell into a rabbit hole on that one. We can go ahead and end the show. I like how you guys Google so efficiently and quietly in the background. Um. All right, so play... Google. What? He's, he's screwing you up again. Play. No, I, no, you just say Google. Uh, play. No, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking with you. I did Google that. All okay. Right. Damn it. <laughs> play.